Hey everybody, welcome back to Pretend Worlds Roll People. As always, I'm Tyler, and I have some wonderful news to share with all of you. Oh, here it goes. I put in my two weeks at my current service position. It took a lot. It, it, I grew up with the, the notion that you should have stability, you should have a paycheck, you should be, you know, a part of a business to, to grow something, but lately that's, that hasn't been the case for many businesses, big and small. And for this one, I haven't been happy for uh, most of this year. Something shifted in ways they, they shouldn't have. And uh, it's just, it's not, <laughs> it hasn't been a great experience. Let's just say it, it hasn't covered my bills as much as it should be for the amount of work that I've been putting into it. So I, I, I sent the email this morning. I feel great about it. I'm really nervous, but that's a good thing, right? Because the best part about this sort of fear is if something is scaring you this much, you should go for it. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm, I'm like trying to breathe as I'm talking about it. But uh, yeah, I, I put in the two weeks. It's all done. I'm waiting to hear back from my employers. Uh, yeah, I, I'm super happy to see where this goes. I have work coming up. I have, you know, stuff that's going to pay the bills, thankfully. Not to say it's going to last forever. Not to say I won't have to, you know, go back to serving or bartending at some point in the future. But for right now, this is what I need to do. It scared the crap out of me. So I am going for it. That's that's the only news I have right now. And I don't know, I, I'm really happy that I did it. So for all of you who are really scared about putting in your two weeks, uh, you know, you have savings lined up, you have other things lined up, just do it for your own mental health, because it'll be worth it in the long run. And that's the end of my TED talk. <laughs> nothing, nothing else to uh, to bring up news-wise outside of the fact that I kind of had a chance to visit New York City, uh, not physically, of course, but uh, just through this conversation for this current episode, because I had a chance to sit down with a New York-based actress and producer named Jennifer Plotsky. She is amazing. She's incredibly hilarious. We had just the joy of chatting with each other. I can't wait to bring her back on the show. But she spent most of her time in her youth, you know, working in theater groups and well into college performing in theater and then set her sights on film and TV where, you know, she ended up making a huge leap to the Big Apple, having grown up, you know, between Jersey City and Chicago. And now she has had roles in The Blacklist, The Sex Lies of uh, College Girls, and she's really built a just amazing career as a producer. She's awesome. <laughs> I don't know what else to say to promote or to introduce this person. Then other, I can't even talk. Then just, I should just shut up, right? I'm going to shut up. We're going to get into the interview. Let's do it right now. Let's sit down with the incredible Jennifer Plotsky. I'm Jennifer Klotsky, and I am an actress and a producer working in film and television. That's uh, there's so much to unpack there right off the bat. <laughs> what which came first, the producing side or the acting side? The acting side definitely came first. That's been, um, you know, kind of my whole life. Um, and the producing came several years ago, and that was born out of wanting to create more opportunities to act. And so that was how that started, and it worked. <laughs> Wow. Oh, so yeah. was this, um, cause, you know, this, this industry, as we've talked about on the show several times, it's, it's tough. It'll beat you down. It's mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of no's, uh, almost yeah. every single day. So 
what was that that final straw for you to go you know what i'm going to produce my own stuff i'm just going to create sort of roles for myself or roles for my friends what was there a last straw or was it more just a, i want to venture out sort of thing um no there was no last straw i didn't you know i don't really feel uh, this sounds weird but like i don't get discouraged by rejection just because i know that you know it's not it's just you know they went a in a different direction. So yeah. that's fine. It was just more that the, the work was sparse. And so I was like, you know, it, during these times when I'm not working, why am I sitting here waiting for my phone to ring? I might as well, you know, make something and be able to put something out there and have something to show people when I don't have anything to show. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm not a writer. So it was more about like me collaborating with other people on things that they had written or, you know, yeah, like producing their work and, you know, by way of that, like just saying, Hey, you know, do you have a role for me in this? Like I'll produce it for you. And so, yeah, I did a lot of, I did a lot of indie film that way and it worked out really well. Oh, wow. So and <laughs> listeners, I didn't mean it to sound like it was an old Western. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Uh, I'm done. But no, that, that makes my horse. Sense. Yeah. Especially like during, uh, most recently during COVID, a lot of us, I'm sure felt yeah. the way I know I did you know there's nothing yeah. going around what are we going to do so what was your uh, what was your first producing project like the that thing to kind of get you going into this oh maybe I'll, I'll start doing this now it was actually I um was working with this actors group and they did 72 hour film challenges and so which was nuts and I, I was like hey I really want to do this and um the person that coordinated the group was like great you're gonna um I'm gonna need you to produce and I was like no <laughs> I don't know how to do that I was I don't have a, the first clue and he was like you'll learn and I, I said okay so it was really like trial by fire um but luckily it, you know doing those things it's like it's a smaller project it's not like you're walking onto you know some big set and and the expectation is that you know what to do um so yeah it was this 72 hour film challenge and I produced the film and it was wacky and we shot it in one day and it was maybe like a 12 or 13 minute film and it was just a wild ride and I realized quickly that I had like a knack for producing and so I was like great this is my outlet to be able to like continue to do this and you know create work for myself um so yeah it was a the script was awesome. It was about these five women who all had a sort of vendetta against the same guy and one of them kills him. And it's, it's, it's a very weird, dark comedy. And so they all have this tea party <laughs> to sort of figure out how to cover it up. Um, so that was my first producing gig and it was, it was crazy and fun. Oh my God. It <laughs> Yeah. What okay, this is for my own sort of entertainment side. Is this available online to to see? It is it is not. Oh. Um, gosh, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I would have to go back. This was this was uh, six or seven years ago. I would have to go back and look through, you know, like sort of the bottom of my Vimeo because it might still be out there. <laughs> it's unlisted. <laughs> I don't even know if I I mean. Yeah, it, it might, it might be, I will look and I'll send you the oh link. My God. Yeah, that's because I mean, I, I love stories like that and it just sounds in, incredible. So are you more of a genre bending producer then? Is it something, you know, if, if the project sounds great, you'll do it or are you just kind of like, what's your yeah. approach there? I, um, 
Well, you know what? We went into that project without a script. So we all sort of like, you know, signed up. And then we said, we, uh, one of the girls in the group knew a writer. And so she said, you know, the writer's name is Pia Wilson. She's phenomenal. She's a playwright. Um, and so she said, let me see if Pia will write something for us. And we said, okay, like these are the people in the group. Like this is who we need you to write roles for. And so she like tailored roles for all of the people. So it was, you know, like these us five women and this guy. And so, she, yeah, she wrote it. And so we had no idea what it was going to be before we went into it. And so when we read it, we were like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> we were not, it was so unexpected and it was so awesome. I was like, wow, this is great. This is going to be great. Um, so I don't necessarily have a, a genre that I stick to. I do sort of love, you know, I, I love all kinds of different things, but I guess what really draws me is is the story and the characters so however that fits into any particular genre is is great as long as you know those sort of nuts and bolts are there which is the mark of a, a great producer you know to acknowledge <laughs> that's that's a very pertinent and important thing to look at before you go in <laughs> well it's hard because you know moving on from that I I sort of realized that I I did have a knack for producing which I think just sort of stems out of I've spent many years in hospitality, obviously, as as actors, a lot of us do. Um, and so I can definitely handle volume and a lot of things happening at the same time, which is why I think it lends itself well to producing. Um, but I became, you know, as I sort of gained that reputation, I started, people started hiring me. So then I was just like a producer for hire. And a lot of times, you know, people do approach you with things and you're, you know, you're kind of like, ooh, this, I think this you know, like the script needs more work or whatever. So uh, yeah, you do have to kind of pick and choose and you have to look for that, that script that's going to be, th that's right that, you know, that you feel compelled to produce. Yeah. And I'm actually, I'm curious, what was your role in hospitality kind of bouncing? Oh, off of that? I, I bartended for like a hundred years. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> and then I went into, and then I got really sick of doing that as most of us do. Yeah. And then I went into management and then I said, well, this also isn't for me because, you know, I've always maintained that I'm acting always comes first. And so I needed, you know, like a flexible schedule and blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, not my first love. <laughs> oh yeah, I I'm right with you there. I, I think I've been approached for man because I'm a bartender currently and have been for a while. You know, because like you said, you need that flexible schedule for acting, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was pro or proposed to God. I was uh, approached about a possible management position, and I I said no so fast. <laughs> and no, it is kind no. of a proposal, right? It is a marriage of sorts. Yeah, it's like, will you give your life to us? Don't worry. Right. Seriously, sign it over, sign right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not gonna bleed on that paper, man. No, no, thank you. Uh, well, that's that's amazing that you you acknowledge that too. It's you know, I, you didn't get stuck. I think a lot of people get stuck too because the money could be good for most yeah. places, but it's it'll drain you, oh, especially yeah. emotionally. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, and and it depends really definitely emotionally. Um, <laughs> it depends too on like in what capacity you're doing that because. You know, when I first moved to New York, I, I I am from Chicago, so I was bartending. I mean, I've been bartending like for so long, and I was doing it in Chicago. And when I moved to New York, I was like, man, 
you have to work so much because the cost of living is high. And I was like, and it quickly becomes, you know, a lifestyle and you really can get, you know, it's like you're working late, you're sleeping late, you're kind of, you know, you kind of get stuck in this cycle. And I, I saw myself going in that direction and I was like, Ooh, I need to do something else. You know, I need to make sure that, that I don't let this become like, you know, my primary focus because it is, you know, like you are making so much money and it's, it's hard to sort of, you know, especially living here, it's like, it's hard to not have that. <laughs> so, so you're still in New York city then? Yes. Okay. I'm actually oh, in man. Jersey city, but I'm, you know, oh, I'm nice. spitting distance to Manhattan. So yeah. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit lesser rent wise. Yeah. Oh, a little bit. Well, not anymore. <laughs> it's kind of booming. But when I, but that was the reason that I moved to Jersey city initially, because I was like, you know, moving from Chicago, it was, you know, twice the space and half the rent there. And when I moved here, I had, you know, an apartment, a big apartment full of furniture and the apartments here are much smaller, the affordable apartments. And I said, gosh, I don't know. And I don't know where I'm going to live. And I don't have this kind of money. And a friend of mine was like, Oh, live in Jersey city. And I was like, Jersey city, where's that? Okay, I'll do it. And so I've been here ever since. <laughs> I think Jersey city gets a bad rap, you know, especially in, in popular culture. Like, oh, it does. God, well, and, and for a long time, you know, all of us that lived here, were like, no, stop, you know, stop spitting on Jersey city. And then, so everyone was like, Oh yeah, it's great. And they all moved here. And now we're like, no, go back. Exactly. Let's <laughs> say okay. right. <laughs> I I'm in Denver. I know I somewhat know how you feel because we were saying the same thing. God, yes. It, no, Denver's cool. We're not boring. And then everybody came here and now it's exactly. insane. insane. My live sister here. lives in Denver. She actually lives um, in Centennial. Oh, but, really? Uh, no way. But yeah. So we go there. For, so she's like, a, you know, kind of a good enough distance from the city. She can kind of get the best of both worlds but yeah yeah exactly it's crazy out there <laughs> it's oh, it's insane especially i mean any anyone who's working in the arts industry it's like finding a place that you're comfortable living in without having to work <laughs> i almost said eight days a week because that's what it kind of feels like <laughs> honestly True, right? <laughs> uh, is, is near impossible but yeah. i i want to uh kind of switch back a little bit and you know you said you're you're from chicago did you find yourself always wanting to be in the arts community or the arts industry growing up did you grow up in chicago i guess i should start there I did. Um, okay. I actually like my early childhood was split between Chicago and New Jersey because my father moved for work, but I was born in Chicago and um, went to went to grade school in New Jersey, but then went back to Chicago for high school and college. Um, yeah, I've always growing up, I always wanted to do it. I always wanted to be an actor. That was like the first thing that I remember wanting to do. It was the only thing I remember wanting to do. Um, and you know, but when I was younger, there wasn't really an outlet for it until I went to high school. And then I started doing theater. And then um, I went to school in, well, I shouldn't say Chicago, I went to school in Illinois, like out in a cornfield, um, but went to school for acting. And so, yeah, that was, I've just kind of always been doing it, but I always really, really wanted to do uh, film and television, mostly film. Um, and at the time there was no film really happening in Chicago. It was, it was a lot of theater. It's still a great theater town, but there's now there's a lot more television and film happening there. Um, but because of that, I decided shortly after college to move here and um, yeah. And I've been doing, you know, it took me a couple of years of <laughs> getting that rhythm with <laughs> not bartending too much and, and trying to make it in the industry. And so finally, you know, I have that balance now. So yeah, I've been working pretty steadily since then. 
Oh, and how long did it take for you to find, uh, even before New York City, did you have representation in Chicago or was it something you sort of... I didn't. Um, I wasn't, I really wasn't there all that long. Um, And again, you know, because I was bartending at the time, I keep coming back to this. (laughs) I don't know why. It haunts you forever. Working like a lot. And, and not that I didn't want to do theater, but like, I was just trying to like find like the right Avenue for myself. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was maybe, I think a year that I was in Chicago before, um, someone I knew was like, oh, I'm moving to New York. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah. And so I, I literally just, you know, that same story that everyone tells, like I threw my stuff in the truck and I went. Um, So yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have representation. I didn't really, I think at the time when I was there, I didn't have a really clear idea of how I should even market myself or even try. Um, So I was kind of a little bit directionless in that sense. And yeah, and I guess for whatever reason, I just kind of felt the calling to come here and, and the opportunity presented itself. And I said, why not? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You went with your gut, you know, that's, that's incredibly important. Yeah. I mean, you're, (laughs) you're freshly moved into New York city. You're, you know, of course, bartending, trying to, to cover your bills. How long into that new move did you start to feel like you were gathering a rhythm for you know going to auditions and like you felt like you were slowly indoctrinating yourself into the New York sort of uh film and tv industry I think it took it took a little it took a little bit but my first year especially was rough um most people that move to New York will say this, that it's it's kind of severe culture shock at first, even if you're coming from another city. New York is just sort of its own planet. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you're, you're adjusting to a lot. You're adjusting to a completely different um, economic structure, I guess. Like, you know, like finding a way to like work and live and survive in the city was really difficult for me at first. And I kind of hated it. And... Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna let this get the better of me. I'm not moving back. I'm not giving up. I don't wanna, much to the dismay of my mother who really wanted me to come back to Chicago. Oh, no. I said, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing that. Um, I am going to make this work. And so about nine or 10 months into it, I was like, I kind of fell in love w- with this city. As much as I loved Chicago, it broke my heart to leave Chicago. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's an incredible, gorgeous, amazing city. But I kind of fell in love with New York for a lot of the same and also a lot of different reasons. And so right about, you know, 10 months to a year in, I was like, okay, enough now. We've, you know, cried our tears and we've figured things out and let's, you know, let's, let's get going here. So um, I started doing, I, I didn't, you know, have any reps. I didn't have a clue how to even begin or where to begin. Um, but I just sort of like talked to people. I, you know, I said, Hey, this person is, looks like they're doing what I want to be doing. Let me, you know, pick their brain and see how they started or where they're, how they're getting auditions or, or who they know. And so I just sort of started to do that. And I just developed a sort of, you know, network of people and, you know, figuring finding new outlets and so forth. And it just, I mean, what year is this? 2022? <laughs> <Can> you, <laughs> Who knows uh, anymore? <laughs> what, what is time anymore? Um, but 
yeah, I, I mean, it's taken a good chunk of time to figure out where I fit in the industry and, you know, and things like that. And, and sort of like how to market myself, the business aspect of this industry. So it's been, you know, I don't know, 10 years, the better part of 10 years to just sort of like really get to where I feel is the, you know, a real jumping off point. I, I if you said any less than that, <laughs> I'd be incredible. What's your secret? You know, like, what have you done? Uh, <laughs> really? Seriously. Like some people come here and they're like, uh, you know, and out of nowhere, they're, they're really doing well. And I'm like, wow, this person has really been here a long time. Oh, I just moved here like eight months ago. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Tell me your secrets. Like, I don't know what you're injecting, dude, but I want it. Right? Who are like, you paying off? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you know, and and good for those people that get, you know, that 100%. jump right away. 100%. Personally, like, I, I'm glad I've had those years of just down in the dirt, maybe an industrial here and there that doesn't pay much because I'm, Absolutely. I'm comfortable there. You know, yeah. Like, it's, you're not yeah. going in, you're casting an HBO show three seasons, and then suddenly it's nothing. I, you know what? And, and that, I think that I 100% agree with that. And that's not taking anything away from people that, you know, it happens right away for. But for me personally, I feel that way too. I think that these 10 years have taught me so much about myself and about the industry. And I think that you know, what I've picked up along the way, I, you know, if I had just come here 10, you know, 10 years ago, and it had happened for me right away, I wasn't in, in a space mentally where I could have really even navigated that or like held on to it, I don't think, because I was still just learning so much about myself even. And so now, you know, as I've come along, it's like, I have a much better whole a grasp on all of that. And it makes me appreciate it more. It makes me appreciate like you said, like those times when you don't have work, like exactly how to navigate that and how to, you know, spin it and make it work for you. And I don't think that had, had, you know, I had these opportunities before that it, I would have been able to, to do the same. Yeah. And it helps also having a community around you. Right. So, I mean, were you taking acting yeah. classes while, while you were doing all this searching for representation? Yes. Um, yeah. Acting class. And, you know, and those are hit or miss, you know, some, anything is hit or miss, honestly, like some things work, some things don't, and you try them out and, you know, maybe you don't stay very long, but hopefully there's a takeaway. There's always a takeaway. Um, you know, you always learn something no matter what and, or take, you know, make a new connection, which is, you know, a bonus. Um, but yeah, I was taking lots of acting classes. Um, all kinds of different acting classes, like scene study classes, you know, casting director workshops, things like that, um, on camera classes, because I can't, you know, I came up, I, I studied theater. And so I didn't have um, on camera experience until I came here. And I, you know, I had, that's a, it's a, it's a different style. Like yeah. you need to learn that, you know, like, I mean, again, some people are just brilliant and they, you know, they just get it, but that was definitely something that I, I had to learn. And so, yeah, I, I, just immerse myself in classes as much as I could and just tried to, you know, keep meeting people. And, and that really has helped. And you're right. Like the network matters, you know, and you never know, like meeting someone, you know, you think like it's just a chance meeting and maybe you'll never see them again, but lo and behold, five years down the road, like that person offers you a part in something you never know. Yeah. You, you walk into one of the first in-person auditions of 2022 and you look at this person in the eye, 
didn't we take the yeah we did oh my yeah, god we, you know and it's yeah it's not like you're counting on being cast but it's cool to see that you know yeah. that weird shift and and reunion right uh, and that you know and that that absolutely counts and i think that also says a lot about make sure you treat people well you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know it's like you never know like down the road that you know even if you're not maybe exactly what they're looking for that they might not cast you just because they know you and vice versa they might not cast you because oh that you know she was so mean to me back when <laughs> it's like oh man I wish I could get that back <laughs> and that you know I, I have to I don't think I've had a whole lot of people who are still in the sort of New York City circuit but you know here in Denver it's obviously a, a small community and people will remember you for years if you were a complete dick uh yeah. is it the same way in, in new york does it feel like a smaller community too oh really that's it so cool is. i mean it's crazy because this city is you know eight million people more really and but it's definitely a small world you know people and and people don't forget that you know i think that i was just talking to someone the other day and i was like man i remember when i was a kid and i sort of unintentionally said something mean to another kid and i take that with me like decades later <laughs> and i think that people remember that you know it's like when you i don't know i just i just feel like people remember that stuff and and also there's really almost never a reason to be a dick <laughs> just don't be a dick you know I mean, there's sure there are some things that aren't going to work for you and, and relationships that aren't going to work for you. But, you, yeah. you know, as as professionally as you can, you know, be courteous and, and just walk away as opposed to, you know, flipping the bird on the way out the door. <laughs> <laughs> have um, you uh, have you come into contact with somebody who sort of wronged you in the industry before and then met them again years later? Yeah. Did they did they remember? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and it's hard too, because a lot of times it, it you, that happens in a, like a professional setting and you know, where, where other people are around <laughs> and it's very awkward and you know, it, it is what it is. And I'll, I'll, I'll smile and nod, but you know, and I'm never going to make anything worse, you know, than it needs to be or, yeah. or sort of like rehash anything, but yeah, I, I think, and, and maybe I'm just, I don't hold grudges, but I do remember, you know, if, if shit's gone down. <laughs> <laughs> you say you don't hold grudges. What is that list behind you in red marker? Uh, oh, I see uh, 10 right. names. They can't see this. It's just my people <laughs> to kill written in lipstick. Nothing. Oh, it's her Ikea list. Oops, yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, <laughs> have you, it's a horrible sort of comparison but have you ever seen entourage yes yeah it's the whole you know like oh hey yeah good to see you and then when they walk away under your breath prick you know yeah exactly <laughs> exactly and and look i'm not you know that's that's this industry that's any industry yeah. you know it's always there are always just going to be those people and so i find that yes you come across that a lot and you just sort of i try as best as i can to just take the higher road and i'm like if you're going to act a certain way, that's, that's on you. I'm going to act the way that I can walk away and be, you know, feel, you know, like self-respect, I guess, and, and yeah. not feel like shit about myself for having done something that I kind of, you know, ultimately could regret. I think if you always conduct yourself that way, then, you know, 
you're not going to burn bridges and there's not, there, there won't be that opportunity for someone to be like, Oh, Jen Flatsky, what an asshole. Don't pass her. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, we can hope. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just keep, keep going down this road and you'll be fine. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I just, you know, even, even when things don't work out or, or whatever, I just never see a reason really to, to, you know, conduct myself any less than professionally. And yeah courtesy as best as I can. Well, and, you know, speaking on that, you, you go from working, say, non-union shorts or independent films in New York City to working on Blacklist or uh, I think uh, The Sex Lives of College Girls, right? That's it. Yeah. I've never seen that show, but That's the title good. alone, like, that sounds interesting. I have to check it That's out. Um, so good. But <laughs> like going from one type of set to the, to the other, do you have a preference as far as what you prefer? Um, this sounds really hippie to say, but as far as atmosphere goes, does it feel any different uh, working in New York or does it feel like, you know, the same people who are working on non-unions are still working on, you know, those bigger shoots as well? Um, yeah, it's, de- there's definitely a difference. I mean, there's definitely a difference between, you know, working on indie stuff versus, you know, HBO or NBC. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, financing (laughs) but a lot of that has but I mean you still find you know you there are people that work in in both that you come to know and it's like oh man I worked with you on you know on that indie project and you run into them you know on the set of the blacklist which is which is cool um and you know those experiences for me like I've I've really never had um you know the television experiences have been great because everyone's been so kind and generous and there's you know there's tons of people working on those sets I mean you know just lots of crew like you walk in and you're like oh my god 50 people in front of me um and so it's a very well-oiled machine um and so that makes for a really great experience and everyone you know when I when I did those everyone was just so lovely and I know that's you know not necessarily everyone's experience I know that you know, all things are different. And I've definitely heard from other people that work on other things that like, oh, it wasn't as great or, or it didn't go well or, you know, whatever. But there's a lot of circumstances surrounding that. It's, you know, it's COVID or it's weather or whatever. You know, you never know what can transpire to sort of like make things go awry. Um, but my experiences have been really good. And definitely like, yes, going from like a non-union indie film set to something like HBO Max is, is, a, is a big difference. Um, but you know, you still, you still get, hopefully you still get those same great people <laughs> and that always <laughs> makes for the better experience. You know, you can overlook certain things budget wise, like, okay, maybe the food's not as great, or maybe, you know, we uh, didn't yeah. get a break or whatever, but you know, as long as the people are, are good people, then you're going to have a good experience. Yeah. And <laughs> I mean, we've all been in a spot where we're eating the same type of stale granola bars somebody got for free from a Casa because they're outdated on a non-union set and then you go on to like the blacklist or something you're like for me I went down, down to Texas and did an episode of tv like what prime rib for what what kind of budget right? do you guys have what is I know this is oh insane I went, when I one of them I was doing they were like oh this is the lunch menu and it was like seared tuna and I was like are you joking oh <laughs> I was like I'm never leaving <laughs> Like, do you guys have a box? I'm just gonna take it back to the Maybe. hunting wagon. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> to, my, to my trailer. <laughs> yeah. 
that and you know what I've never I've been in New York a handful of times but I've never filmed anything in New York City so I'm not sure if you've I mean you've probably filmed something outside of the city of course but what is a dynamic like what is the stress like of shooting you know off of a, a street in New York City compared to shooting inside of a warehouse you paid to to rent out like what, what is that what is that like it's it's hard because in New York you have two things that are always at play people and noise and so you know if you it's hard those are two very difficult things to manage um and especially if you're working on an indie project where you're you know time is money and time is limited and so is money that makes it difficult and stressful um because you know you're constantly having to either hold for sound hold for weather hold for people, you know, or it's like, hey, you know, somebody get over there on the sidewalk and tell these people to get out of the background. And they're all like, are you filming a movie? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and so that, you know, it just kind of, those are all sort of roadblocks that just sort of hold up, literally hold up the production. <laughs> um, or you're having to spend time later in post-production fixing that. Like, you know, we're going to have to like do a day in the studio and do ADR because like none of this sound is usable or, you know, stuff like that. So those are, those are the major challenges in, in New York. Um, yeah. Any, uh, it makes any, it interesting. Uh, honestly, you know, I've, and I've heard a few stories from, from people in the past, but have you had any experiences with people who just did not give a shit that you were shooting? Oh, New Yorkers are like, <laughs> I don't give a shit what you're shooting. I live on this block. Move. Yeah. Or they're like, uh, guess what? I'm I'm now in your movie because I'm walking here. <laughs> Get out of my way. That's my front door. <laughs> and then and then you'll always have those people that are like just refuse to wait and they just walk and then they just stare into the camera as they walk by because they're like, whoa. And then they think, you know, people that have never seen working, you know, a working set before are walking through thinking everyone, like it's probably, you know. Bradley Cooper so they have to look at and see everybody like oh who is it it's someone famous I know it like, no, it's, we're just we're just us like everyone in New York is making a movie just so you know did you see this DSLR yeah Bradley Cooper doesn't use this exactly, uh, exactly. <laughs> believe me the street would if it was Bradley Cooper the street would be blocked off oh my god yeah all right three blocks out Right? <laughs> <laughs> See, I think my favorite is somebody in a car pulling off to the side right where you're filming the engines running while you're doing sound and they go well what, what are you shooting oh uh, yeah dude it's like you're literally we are actively shooting at this moment and now you are now, cut <laughs> and people they just don't care they just pull and they and it's not even that they don't care like you know it's not it's not really on them they don't understand like yeah, how yeah production even works and that they can't be talking or that you know and all of those things so they can't even understand that they're in the frame so it's it's and that's not their fault <laughs> it just makes it challenging but also kind of hilarious <laughs> yeah I think people I mean I've met a lot of them I've served a lot of them they think that you know being an extra you get residuals for being in a split second of screen time and they ask you oh I bet you have so much money why are you working here buddy that's <laughs> <laughs> let me break it down for you <laughs> yeah it's not really how it works and even if right. you do have a line they might cut it a little short to pay you a little right. bit less <laughs> well and you know there's such a vast difference in you know in projects and and what the what the pay grade is because yeah. I think a lot of people think like oh you're in movies like like you said like you must have so much money it's like well 
you know, a lot of times it's like, yeah, okay, scale for television is one thing, but, you know, a day rate for a low budget indie is like 200 bucks a day. <laughs> like, you know, and, I'm, and I'm, it's a great project and I'm glad I did it, but it was only one day. So you do the math on that. <laughs> I got to ask, what's the lowest uh, pay rate that you've accepted just because you wanted to be part of the, the project? So Zero dollars. <laughs> yes, I love it. <laughs> you know, I people, a lot of people poo-poo that and, and I understand it. I think at a certain point you have to say like, look, this is my profession. This is what I do. And I think, you know, there's that whole thing of like, oh, artists are artists and like we do it because we love it, which is obviously true, but it's an industry, it's a business and it's a career. And we all spent and spend a lot of money in education, in, you know, just in, in, in marketing yourself alone, you know, all the things. And so you have to, at a certain point say, okay, I've, I've, I've done that, you know, now I have to move on and I, I can't accept unpaid work. And I, I think that's a great moment. Right. But I think that, you know, before that time comes, like if you are trying to get yourself out there, like I was saying earlier about producing, it's like, I, I would be willing if the project was right. And I knew that it would be a good vehicle for me. I would definitely be willing to do it for no money because you know, or at least deferred pay or something like that, because I knew that it was going to get me exposure. Um, I mean, I think you have to be picky with that because I think you can get yourself into situations where you're like, why am I here? <laughs> why am I here? But, you know, it, and, and from doing that, like, uh, like I said earlier, it's like, everything's a learning experience and you do that one time and you're like, okay, now I'm going to be pickier. I'm still willing to do this for free for you, but I'm, you know, let me, let me take a look at this and really see what this is going to be. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't mind doing that. And I think if you want to get yourself out there, sometimes that's what you got to do. Yeah, especially if you're just starting. Yeah, I exactly. Mean. Like, <laughs> just, you ha there's got to be a way for you to build, you know, a body of work for people to be able to see, for people to be able to cast you and, and eventually pay you. Yeah. Oh, God, so, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> and, and I didn't mind that. I absolutely didn't mind that. And luckily I was bartending, you know, all of those years. And so I could, it didn't matter that, I wasn't being paid. I could still, you know, I could still eat. Um, but yeah, it's just a matter of, of, I think, picking the right things and, and, and knowing when to say no. Yeah. I mean, speak, speaking of picking the right things and, you know, we're talking about transitions and sort of the ebbs and flows of, of our careers. I mean, are you planning on staying in that area or do you plan on moving to, to LA, to Canada? How are you feeling as far as your career goes? Not to say like, you're going <laughs> to you have these different pros and con maps. Maybe you do behind your computer. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> do you have any plans on, on like venturing out or are you, are you really comfortable with where you are and just kind of keep building your career from there? I am very comfortable where I am. I think that, you know, 10 years ago, there was not the level of production that there is in New York, in Atlanta, in all of these different places. And so a lot of people were like, being in New York, they would be like, well, you have to go to LA, you have to go to LA. And I don't, I don't disagree with that, but I also don't think that it, you have to do it. Like, I think I know a lot of people that have left here and gone to LA and have been wildly successful and that's awesome. But I also think that even now more than ever, because so many things, you know, like auditions are virtual, like all of these things, it, you know, I can work there and live here if need yeah. be. 
you know, if there, if, if, if something came up and, and suddenly I was cast in something that was, you know, going to be in production in Los Angeles, like, you know, I would consider it, but I think it would still just be a, a temporary thing. You know, I don't know that I would ever really move entirely somewhere else. Um, because I'm, I'm happy to go work in any of those places and still come back here, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, it seems like you're constantly, are you doing the producing side full-time? Have you nixed the, the hospitality industry altogether? I have nixed the hospitality industry altogether. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I have to say that, um, you know, COVID really gave me that opportunity because up until the day that we were shut down, I, you know, I was still working and these past two years, I've been able to work on things remotely. I have a group of filmmakers that I work with and we, you know, during the lockdown, we were making films as best we could, you know, everybody sort of like shooting in their apartment and then like editing it all together to look like a cohesive film. And it actually went, we made some really good stuff and that have been really successful on the festival circuit, which is great. Um, and because I was able to keep working and keep promoting, um, and also thanks to unemployment during COVID when the restaurant was closed, I, you know, it really helped me sort of exit the, that industry. Um, and I'm eternally grateful for that, which I don't, I, I, I say that, you know, knowing that the pandemic was very bad for very, very, very many people. Um, so I don't take it lightly, but so now I'm just acting and producing. Um, and I'm actually trying to move away from producing now because acting has always been my first, you know, my path. Um, and the producing, like I said, came as sort of a support system for that. And now, you know, the acting is sort of ramping up a lot. And so I'm sort of letting that go away because producing is hard. It, it can really be um, all consuming, especially like on the indie level, because you know, budgets never really allow for, I mean, I, I mean like super low, like low budget indie yeah. stuff. Like it doesn't allow for really enough staff to really cover all the bases. And so a lot of people will end up wearing a lot of hats and generally the producer ends up wearing a lot of hats and that's okay. Um, but it's not something that is my first love. And so I definitely am sort of winding down on that. I still have a few projects that I'm committed to, but beyond that, I think, you know, I might here and there still do it depending on what the project is, but ultimately, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving that behind. Oh, well, I mean, it's, it's great that you had that experience, right? So if yeah. you do want to produce something in the future, you have that there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, it is, I mean, I say, you know, I say like low budget indie, but you know, it is a paycheck. Like it does, it is experience. It's, you know, meeting people, it's creating and it's paid. And so, you know, I said earlier about doing things for free, but I don't do that anymore. <laughs> so, um, especially when it's producing because so it's, it's so much work. Um, but yeah, I always have it. And I also think that, you know, for anyone that's starting out, well, not even starting out, just anyone in general, I think that learning lots of different positions and, and learning what other people do in the creative process is really kind of an invaluable experience. And I think it makes you, no matter what, you know, aspect you work in, I think it just makes you better at that because it gives you A, an understanding of how all of these things work together to make the final product. And B, it just gives you an appreciation for what other people go through. 
<laughs> which I'm sure the producers will also appreciate, you know, any time. And this is coming from a, a place I just read recently uh, and it's been going on for a while, but even screenwriters now need to have show running, producing backgrounds. You know, they need to oh know gosh. the ins and outs where we can't just be one thing anymore, you know, being. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, you look like what a showrunner does. And I mean, you're literally, that's like, that's literally 12 people's jobs. Yeah. <laughs> you are, you are the nucleus. And, and so, yeah, I think either, either having, you know, producing experience or, you know, something in that capacity, like is so helpful as you sort of move and grow in the industry personally. Yeah. So now that you are focusing on the acting side, going back to your first love, as it were, uh, is there a project that you you just dream of of being a part of? Is there something that kind of stands out in the zeitgeist, or are you just open to to anything whatsoever? I mean, like projects that currently exist, or yes, ones that I dream yeah. Of. So like mine, <laughs> mine is if I could be a part of Barry, I will die the next day. Like. Uh, I'll be set. Is that show not <laughs> unbelievable? Uh, uh, amazing. <laughs> it's, I mean, oh, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. You know, a lot of them for me, it's stuff that's like already done. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm like, like, oh, I wish I could have been a part of that. I've, honestly, like I'm, I've been binge watching. Uh, I'm like the last person on earth that didn't watch Breaking Bad. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm in the middle of season five right now and I literally cannot stop watching it. And I'm like, oh my God, like it's just melting my brain. It's so good. I, it's just like storytelling at its finest. And I, 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 I think I'm not on the new season of Barry yet, but like, oh my gosh, that show, it really is so just continually surprising which I love and I'm a big 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 Bill Hader fan um so yes I I I definitely I see that for you (laughs) um gosh I'm trying to think I don't you know sometimes it's like you get to the end of a show and you're like man I can't believe that's over like Ozark like oh would I love to be on Ozark oh my gosh like I that's the kind of thing like Breaking Bad too like I love doing comedy but like dark shit like Ozark and Breaking Bad. I'm like, oh, give it to me, please. <laughs> Put me in, coach. <laughs> this mouth-watering over like true detective. Oh, oh yeah, God. any chance. <laughs> I love twisty stuff, I really do. Um, and I think it's because, I, I don't know why that is, but it just is. Um, but yeah, like watching something like that, I feel like I'm constantly, you know, just, if I'm, if, if it's holding my my attention for that long and I'm on the edge of my seat five seasons in like come on that's amazing and you know it's constantly like surprising and and it's just you know Breaking Bad for example is just like a master class in every aspect and oh my gosh um but yeah I do I'm trying to think of something that's like currently on that I could say that about I don't know <laughs> I'd say I don't want to put you in a hole <laughs> but it's I mean it's kind of hard to think of on the spot but I could totally I mean Vince Gilligan the creator of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul I mean he's doing there's three or four other projects he's developing so there's still so much room for you to and I could see you in one of those universes you know either it's it's <laughs> you could be you know this uh this leader of a cartel or something, or, you know, it's, it's a, an agent with the, the DEA, you know, just something really, really awesome. Honestly, I could see you in a Mike Flanagan project. hundred percent. Yeah. That is, <laughs> this is all high praise, my friend. Um, yeah, I love that. I thank you. And, and that's, you know, Vince Gilligan, my God, like, 
the world is this oyster, right? Like Absolutely. after after this, after Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, like my God, please keep making stuff. God, <laughs> he could do um, a dark remake of Three's Company, and it would be like the greatest show ever. <laughs> would be the greatest show ever. That I have to say, like that was one of those things. Like I used to watch that in syndication when I was a kid, and John Ritter literally made me want to be an actor. I was like, this, I. It was just so good, and you watch it now, and it's just. <laughs> it's just so great for so many reasons but yeah a reboot of that like a just much darker version would be i would sign sign me up for that <laughs> shoots in albuquerque it'll be perfect. right right i love it a little bit of meth involved yeah just a little bit a little bit of meth. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean the, the fun part about uh you know this show is i get to to hear what other people want to do, what, what you've accomplished, what COVID has done. I mean, that's the whole point of starting this podcast in the first place is seeing like, what are we doing (laughs) while we're not being, what are we doing? (laughs) Yeah. Like what, what's going on? Yeah. Uh, But like one of my favorite questions to ask is if you have a party story you could share with us, not a story about a party, but a story that you would more than likely tell at a party, something that, you know, maybe an experience doesn't have to be in the arts industry, but made such an impact on your life for better or for worse, that uh, has just really stuck with you. Do you have anything? Surely living and working in New York, you have something. You don't have to give any names, but <laughs> I wanted to see if you had anything in the uh, in the chamber for that. I mean, I do have a story that, well, first of all, I will say that, yes, living in New York, you do see it all. Um, and now I've been here long enough that, I, you know, after a while, you sort of become numb to that kind of stuff. Like, so you don't, yeah. you know, notice that there's a naked guy on the subway or, you know, something to that effect. Oh, my um, God. Really? Oh, oh, gosh. That's not even. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the the cheap, more PG version of, of stuff that you see here. But, oh my God. Um, I mean, I do have a story, but it is industry related. But it's my favorite audition story of all time. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> which I would, I would tell the story at a party. Um, and it goes along with what I was saying earlier about kind of like <clears throat> knowing who you are and like finding, you know, how you fit into the industry, what your, what your sort of package is, how you market yourself and what you're capable of, like what, you know, how the industry kind of sees you. Um, you can't tell because we're on Zoom, but I am six feet tall. And I have always had a hard time, not a hard time being cast, but like, you know, it, it's, it's hard to cast someone that's, that's taller than, you know, a lot of other people, especially in theater growing up, I was always like the taller kid, but I realized that, you know, it sort of put me in a category for, for very specific roles, which kind of irritated me because at the time, because there were roles I wanted to play that I knew that I couldn't play. Um, and so I always sort of, you know, pumped the brakes on that and it, and it, and it you know, just kind of stomped my feet. <laughs> but then, and I said, well, I guess this is just what I have to deal with. And you're gonna, you know, you're gonna play like queens and villains instead of the ingenue. And fast forward to now, I think that I wouldn't ever have wanted to play the ingenue roles anyway. The roles that I do wanna play that I'm good at are the queens and the villains. So I was auditioning for a pilot about, I think it was like 2012. And a friend of mine was producing it and I didn't know anyone in the production at all. I didn't know anything about it. And he said, 
look, I want you to come and read for this role. And I said, cool, thanks. It's so nice to be invited to audition as opposed to like, you know, having to submit myself. Great, I love this. And he said, I'm gonna send you the script. And he did, and I opened it and I said, hey, uh, this role's for a man. <laughs> and he said, hear me out. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. <laughs> and he said, the role was like really, really out there. It was almost like, it was very, the only thing that I can sort of, compare it to would be like Alec Baldwin in 30 Rock. So of course, because it's like this weird, crazy character, like I identified with it and I was like, this is the shit that I love, you know? And so immediately as I was reading it, I was hearing it and I was like, oh my gosh, like the more and more I was working on this subject, I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll do it, you know, whatever, I'll do the audition. Mm -hmm. And so I started working on it and I started falling like in love with this role and like really kind of obsessing over it. And I was like, I really, 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 really want this, which is not what you should do, you know? Like, I mean, yes, it's good to want something, but when you sort of become like that, then it's like, you're just sort of setting yourself up to fail. Yeah. So I work on it, I work on it, I work on it. And the day of the audition comes and I go there and I'm like, you know what, the whole way there, I fall into that actor space of like, you're, there's no way you're getting this. Like this, you are not what they want. They have it set in their minds that this is for a man. They want a certain thing. You're not it. So I was like, okay, great. That said, what that means is that these two minutes that I'm in the audition room are the only two minutes that I'm going to have to, to, to do this role. So I better soak it up. So I go in I, I, there were so many people uh, at this, at, at the, like the entire production team was in there. And I walked in and I was like, Jesus, it was like 10 people. And I was like, Oh, and I was like, okay, this is it. Just do it. Just fuck it. Right. And I did it. And it was like, I was in there for 10 minutes. It was the most fun I've ever had in an audition. They loved it. We were all laughing together. We were, you know, joking, best audition of my life, hands down. And I left and I was like, well, that was great. Like, I'm so glad that I at least did it and I embraced it and whatever. And the, my friend that was uh, producing and casting it called me a few hours later and he was like, you blew him away. They, they want you to play the, right, to play the role. And I was like, oh my God. And what that said to me, the very important lesson that that taught me was A, sometimes they don't even know what they want. You know what I mean? So it's like, even if you don't think that you're right for it, just go with your gut and make a choice. And, you know, maybe you don't book it and maybe you do, but either way, like you, you leave an impression by doing that, I think. And also, you know, in this sort of realm of like figuring out what kinds of roles you're good at, that really taught me an important lesson also in that, you know, these sort of, these character roles are really what I'm built for. Um, which is not to say that I can't, you know, play less character roles because I do definitely get cast that way as well. But when things like that come up, it, you know, it's, it's anybody's game. And, and I think it's, it's definitely about finding like that, like finding what you're good at and finding where your sort of your, your niche is. And I love that story and I will never forget that audition because it was just like such a great learning experience. And ever since then, I'm like, you know, it is what it is. And they're going to, they're going to, they're going to see what they see. And I'm just going to bring myself and bring what I, what I can and what I want. And that's going to be it, you know? And I think that even now during COVID, I've gotten even more used to that because everything is self-tapes. And so a lot of people are just like, you know, 
don't love self tapes. And I understand that, but I thrive on that because I think that it gives you a lot of freedom. I, I feel like I have a lot more, I, I feel a lot freer in doing self tapes than I did going into audition rooms. Yeah. And I think now going forward, I, I will I will take that same freedom, you know, if we ever get back in the audition room, just because I've learned that like, I'm not in the room with the casting director, so I'm not gonna get redirected. So I can't read their minds. I can't, I, I don't, I'm not gonna get notes from them. So I might as well, I have to make a strong choice and just go with it. And I mean, I've had so much fun doing that. And it's just so freeing to just be able to be like, whatever, like, I don't know what they're looking for. I'm not in the room with them. Um, I mean, obviously like you make informed decisions based on of course, know, yeah. the material that you're given, but you know, at the same time, I'm like, I'll, I'll do things sometimes that I'm like, I don't know, like I'll walk off camera, I'll come back, I'll turn around, I'll use, you know, maybe a prop that I wouldn't normally, I would not bring to an audition, stuff like that. And I think that it's just really opened me up to, to being, to remember that it's like, we're still, we're still playing here. We're still, yeah. you know, this is, it's your time to play. So it was all a very long story to answer your question about my party story. But <laughs> no, that was, that was brilliant. I love it because it's, it, it hits all of those points that at least one point in our career, every single one of us has, has felt where it's like, Oh yeah, this, this is tailor made for me. Like this is perfect. And then you practice and the imposter syndrome sets in, especially if you're doing a self tape, like watch oh, it man. once, edit it and send it in. If that's a take you want to do you know <laughs> yeah. well and yeah I agree well in the beginning um when we were first doing self tapes I mean I got into that rut where I was like you know doing 50 takes oh, and, I'm, no. and then I would watch them and I'd be like Jesus these all look the same like what am I doing I'm going crazy so then I was like okay you I, I would give myself a limit rehearse it as much as you want to rehearse it then you get three takes Yes. pick the best one and send it. And that is, that's it. If you, yeah. you, you have it or you don't, you know what I mean? So stop second guessing yourself. That's one of the things I do in life so much that I'm working on is second guessing myself. And it's like, you really, you, you can't, you know, like you can't, you can't get inside their heads. And so just recently I auditioned for a pilot and I, being that it was the pilot of a show, I had no information to go. I have no, I, I didn't know anything about the tone of the show, like anything. And so or, or the plot. And I was only given my size for this scene. And so I was like, well, I have no information. I just have to make it up. I just have to make a choice. Oh, yeah. And I did. And I sent it and I was like, there's no way in hell they're calling me. But as long as I can be proud of the work that I did, you know, and feel like respectable about that, then, then fine. You know, then I'm fine with it. As long as I, you know, can set, can, feel good about sending this to a casting director, fine. And a week later, they called me and put me on hold for it. And I was like, see, you just, you really never know. Like, yeah. so, you know. <laughs> see, and I, I love those stories too, because I, I've only been pinned once in the end, like almost 10 years I've, I've done this. And it was last year, series regular, sent in the tape, didn't think anything of it. And then uh, two or three weeks later, I got a call from my agent, like, hey, you're, you're pinned. They're going to start putting you up through the ranks. And that's when he started saying like, Hey, get ready just in case, but get ready. And you know, nothing came of it. Of, you know, it just, it just, it didn't happen. Like you said, it's out of your control. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But after that, I started looking at self tapes as, Oh, I'm just going to play then, you know, like I, right. I totally agree with that. It's out of your control. Have fun with it. Even yeah. if you don't get the role and you make an impression, they'll mm -hmm. probably call you up for another audition at some point if they like you. 
Exactly. That, yeah. you know, that's, it, yeah. And being pinned, it's like, that's such a huge win anyway. You know, yeah. it's, it's all a win. Like getting called in, my God, is a win. Yeah. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, like all of those opportunities, like that means that they, you know, that they see something. And yeah, as long as you make a good impression on the casting director, I had a, a thing recently where I got called in for a role. I got pinned for it. I didn't book it. And then they called me for another role in that same episode. And oh, I was like, wow. wow, that's great. Like I, I and which is why I said way in the beginning, like I don't, I don't take rejection as or I don't take no's as like, you know, like this harsh rejection because I just know that it means they just went another way. It has yeah. nothing to do with what I sent, you know? And I think that, you know, if you, if you, if you do the work and you work hard and you send something that's good, they will always remember you and always call you back, you know? Yeah. And again, as long as you're not a dick. <laughs> right. Yeah. Be a, be a competent performer. Don't be a dick <laughs> and just memorize your freaking lines. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's it. That's that's all you need. That's, that's going to get you further than a lot of people. So, <laughs> well, and within that, the, the story you told, like there's so many, it's, it's always a hard transition for this. Cause I, you brought so much into that story, but do you have any like, um, isolated pieces of advice that you can give to our listeners who are either looking to get into the industry or maybe you're in it right now and are trying to, to stay in it. You gave us a lot in that story, but is there anything you kind of live by with, uh, with performing and, and kind of staying alive in this industry? I think, um, I mean, definitely things that I kind of already touched on, but I, I feel like learn those different roles, like go and work on a film set, like just as a PA, even like, you know, be, be, the guy that gets the coffee or whatever, yeah. you know, just, and, and, and sort of sit back and, and take it all in and see what, see what, you know, see what everyone's doing and see what goes into this. Um, <clears throat> also never give up. If you, if this is true, if you, I, I think it's a, a lot about knowing your path and knowing, like, obviously like people's paths, you know, you change course a lot, even a lot in this industry. It's like, you start out, you know, as an actor and then you go down the road and you realize, well, my gosh, I really never realized that I really love writing. And then you sort of take that path and that that's the path you're meant to be on. I think it's about finding out within yourself, like really what it is you want, really, really what it is you want and, and knowing what your strength is. And once you figure that out, then you just go for it and you do not give up. If you, if you believe, you know, if you can't see yourself doing anything else besides that, then you're on the right path. If you can see yourself doing something else, then explore that, you know? Um, <clears throat> I've never seen myself doing anything else ever, 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 not one single day. Um, and so I've always known that like, this is my path, which is why when any, whenever anything else comes into play, like producing or whatever, I'm like, this is great, but I have to, you know, keep this on the back burner. Cause it's not, it's not my true North. Um, and I think finding your true North is, is, is key. And I think doing that means doing a lot of different things in the industry and figuring out how the industry works. Cause I think a lot of times people have no clue how the industry works. I came into the industry not having a damn clue about it at all. And, you know, all of this time has been sort of, that has been that learning process. And now I, I, I get it. And so I think, you know, that's the thing. It's like, you just keep you keep meeting people, you keep talking to the people that are doing the things that you want to be doing. Um, that was very key for me, especially when I didn't know anything about the industry. I was like, let me just, let me learn. Let me learn as much as I can learn from the people that, that are doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's my best advice. And, and honestly, you know, 
in life in general, like not just even in this industry, like you really never know how close you are. <laughs> so it's, right? and it's easy to give up <laughs> on things because I get it, especially in this industry. It's hard. It's, it's expensive. It's, you know, it's, it can be all consuming. And it's also, you know, you give up a lot, but that's with any industry, you know, it's like, you yeah. have to realize, you have to figure out what you're willing to sacrifice. And, and if it's a sacrifice, because for me, it, it's not a sacrifice, if that makes sense. Um, it's a labor of love for sure. It totally is. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that, you, it, that it's, it's just finding a balance. It's, it's having a life outside of it. It's not putting all of your eggs in one basket. It's, it's, you know, I guess that's really a, a life lesson in general is just finding balance in whatever you're doing. Yeah. There's, there's nothing worse than a desperate actor who has nothing else going on. Yeah, No, because I think that you, you, right. Like you end up just reeking of desperation. And I think that that's when you end up in that position of just throwing spaghetti at the wall and, and not really taking the time to find out what is the right path for you and, and how, you know, how to sort of like structure your career path. And I, I mean, I spent a lot of time doing that. I spent, when I was first auditioning, I was like, let me meet every casting director in New York. And let, you know, it's just oh, like, like not, it, it's not, it, that's not the right way to go about it. You know, that's literally like, let me throw spaghetti against the wall. Let me see who likes me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, it's not, it's not how it works. Um, but you know, that's a very, it's, it's, I was green and, and that's understandable, especially in, in, in an industry that is just so, massive and so many you know especially now like with all of the with all of the television and, and things that are going on it's just like there's so much work out there and so it's easy to just be like let me put myself everywhere but like if you you really have to have like a, a, a plan <laughs> yeah and so yeah <laughs> um but yeah I guess that's that's my advice and no one to say no one to say no and and tell yourself that it's okay to say no. Like you don't have to say yes to everything. I think a lot of people are like, just say yes and figure it out later. And that's, that's great. That is really great. I do that a lot, but I also think that that can get you into hot water a lot. Yeah. So, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, let's just find that balance. <laughs> There's a lot of trouble that comes with that. I, I know that yeah. all too personally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, but I mean, again, that's, you know, that's one of the, the things in, in this industry, especially when you're like, really desperate to work and, and not, not even desperate, just like really want to be working. Like we all just want to be working. So it's hard yeah. in those times to like not fall into that place. But the more, you know, if you say yes, it's, 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 you can oftentimes find yourself in projects that you wish that you weren't on or, you know, just completely overwhelmed time-wise. Like yeah. it, it can really just consume your life. You're like, oh, I have time. I can do all of these different things and be working on all of these different things. And at a certain point, something suffers and, you know, mostly you or yeah. <laughs> health or, or at least one or more of the projects. So yeah, you know, learn when to say no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nothing's worse than realizing you're no longer in a relationship because you've been working for so long. Like, oh yeah. Wow. I haven't seen that person in so long. <laughs> hey, oh, wait, were we, were we married? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what did these pay to oh, right. divorce? Oh, wow. That's oh dear. <laughs> really going to put a damper on my self tape later today. Right. Uh, <laughs> I need a reader, man. <laughs> yeah, I, need a reader. <laughs> I love that call downstairs. Hey, what are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> Do you want to come up and read for me really quick? 
please yeah. <laughs> i'll make dinner for the next five nights i promise whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> well gathering uh off of that with a wonderful pieces of advice for for all of our listeners please everybody take that because it's going to help you in the long run i wanted to ask you if there's anything that uh, i can promote in this episode could be something you're working on something you're a fan of uh we've been doing a lot of charities too any charity that you'd like us to uh to shout out as well could be absolutely anything you have any interest in I would, well, a charity that I love is um, the Trevor Project. Uh, oh, a friend yeah. of mine is the is is the the chair for the Trevor Project. And being that it's now Pride Month and it's, it, you know, it's important this month, but it's important all year. And so yeah. I always, you know, love to shout them out because they're doing, they're, they're fighting the good fight and they're doing really important work. Um, beyond that, I have, Gosh, I mean, I just have, I have a number of films on the festival circuit. I have a film called Fizzle um, mm. that is going to the Pasadena Film Festival this month, um, which I'm really excited about. So we're, I'm going to head out to Pasadena in a couple of weeks. Um, and that film is, it's a, it's a few years old and this is, it's at the end of its, its festival run, but it's a real gem of a film um, directed by Jeremiah Kipp and written by Gilbert mm. Gerian. And so that's happening. That's my, my, my latest and greatest piece of news. And then I have two things that I'm in production for. I have a horror film that I'm shooting uh, in a couple of weeks, my first horror uh, called, uh, it's with the Theater of Terror. And it's an anthology. Oh my God. And I'm super excited about that. <laughs> so that will be out soon. Um, as soon as they're finished with it. And then I have another film that I'm shooting over Labor Day, which I'm also very excited about, written by uh, Susanna Nolan. Uh, it's and directed by Natasha Straley. It's going to be, it's it's like a very John Cassavetes style film. It's it's really good. Oh um, so those are the things that I'm, that are coming up that I'm really excited about. You have so much going on. Like, I know. <laughs> Honestly, like these past few weeks, I've had to be like, okay, I need to like take, take some stuff off my plate here because it's, I'm doing that thing, you know, where it's like, I'm sort of like doing too much and it's like, everything is kind of suffering. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's take a breath here and let's figure out, you know, what we can table for later and what we can take off the plate and and so forth. So, yeah. Well, uh, I have one more thing for you to do, and then you can take this off of your plate. Yes. Uh, this is well, one. I do want to say thank you so much for giving up your time, your very busy schedule to come and sit down <laughs> oh, and chat with me. Thank you for having me. This is so uh, great. I just, I, it's just so much fun. I, I'll have to have you back because I know there's so much more to unpack. And I want to see, you know, especially with all these films going on, seeing you know, what happens in the next year too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, thank you so, so, so much. I just need to ask you, have you ever seen Wayne's World? <gasps> Kidding me? Wayne's World is a classic. Uh, I think you're probably the, the first in a long time who's actually seen it. Uh, because what? I, Are you kidding me? Yeah. Oh, my I'll, husband I'll and ask. I quote Wayne's World endlessly. <laughs> really? Oh, my God. Excuse okay. me. I'd like I, to get by now. <laughs> I, <laughs> yes. Anytime something gets awkward at work, I, I don't care who's around. I'll just go, Wayne. <laughs> and no one knows like i'll get one guy in the back going wayne's world yeah i'm still gonna go it. in the cooler because this is really weird uh um, but the end of every episode i like to do an awkward goodbye so i do the uh, the terry silent countdown and when i point to you just give me your best verbal awkward goodbye and that's going to close out the episode <laughs> you think you'll be ready for that <laughs> 
I'm um, lacking the long hair. I need to get a wig for it, honestly, for when we start do. doing live streams. Because you, you want me to get, like what an awkward goodbye. What does it even look like? You know, my awkward goodbye is always. Um, <laughs> Are you the person that says love you? I'm done talking. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> I'm going to hang up on you. <laughs> oh, hey, you know what? I had one person do it, I don't know, a month ago. And it, to this day, I smile. I'm like, that was the best freaking goodbye I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> well, I have to. <laughs> it's actually um, my mother-in-law that I love dearly. Always, she, We have these wonderful long conversations. And then she ends super abruptly. And she's like, anyway, this has all been wonderful. Okay, bye. And it's oh my god every time. that's a power move it, it is, it is. like hey she's a she's a woman on, on the go like she's got stuff to do and i just i love her for it um because i'm always the one that's like you know 20 minutes later like still saying goodbye yeah you're like all right well uh we'll wrap this up yeah anyway well in that case i'm just gonna get right down to it uh jennifer plotsky thank you so much for being on the show uh, we're going to initiate our awkward goodbye, listeners. So we're going to go off in. Thanks so much for having me.